Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, we got to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Last night, super bittersweet because, yes, it's great. Villanova got another regular season title. They're going to get the number one seed at the Big East tournament. They beat Creighton. They got revenge. They beat another ranked team. Got a great win that's going to help their NCAA tournament resume. It was also nice to just get that revenge after what happened in Omaha a few weeks ago. But honestly, the big story here is what happened in the first half. And it wasn't Villanova pouncing on the Jays. It was just more of Villanova losing one of its leaders, its key players, and Colin Gillespie. That was just... The final score was okay. It was great. And it was great that Villanova was leading big at the time. But when you saw that injury, that's all I thought about for the next 20, 30 minutes. That really just sucked the air out of like the rest of the game. And it's a shame, too, because Villanova played a top-notch game with very few errors. And, you know, despite the little bit of a Ryan Creighton made at the end to make it a little bit closer than what we would have liked, maybe, you lose your captain you're the you know the lifeblood of the team to a what they're calling a serious knee injury and i'm assuming the mri results are going to be revealed later today at some point and you're praying it's just not as ba- what you're thinking the the magic three letters um that start with an a it's just awful it's just so sad to see him come all this way and have a potential defining moment robbed from him back to back years in the, with COVID last year, getting with canceling everything, and now this happening to him on his senior day, nonetheless, you, you just feel awful, awful. And then they cut to his mom and his sister crying in the stands, and it's like, oh no, come on, come on, this is this is starting to hurt now, and and we're right. just watching miles away from TV. Yeah, of course the the parents had to get a little bit of TV time because of it, and. You could just read their faces. They were not happy. Although to start the second half, it seemed like his dad didn't seem, he seemed all right, or at least pretty upbeat. Yeah. He was was pretty upbeat. And that kind of, you know, gave me a little bit of hope. And then when you saw Colin walk back out onto the bench, that's like, Oh, okay. All right. right. It's like, I know he's ruled out for the rest of the game, but you know, to see him back out on the bench and he's jumping around cheering for the guys. And it's like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's not that bad. And then you're, you're sitting there and you're worrying about this injury. And then Crane goes on that little bit of run and makes it a little too close for comfort. And then all of a sudden you're a little bit distracted by that as you worry about that. But then once Villanova made it look like, or made it clear that they were going to hold on for the win, he went back to worry mode. And after the game, it just, unfortunately, was not that reassuring. And I expect that we're definitely going to get a clear picture from this MRI that's going to happen later today. Jay Wright said it's in the morning, but here's more on what he had to say about that injury and just what it looked like behind the curtain. Because he didn't give too much away on FS1 in that little post-game thing they do. But here we got a little bit more insight. And when I was sitting there in the Zoom, that was when I realized this is not looking good. This is not looking good. Obviously, bittersweet. Um, great effort by our guys. Really, really proud of uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl just taking over the point at the, in you know for most of the first half when uh, Justin was in foul trouble, and then I thought Justin did a great job playing the whole second half, playing the point. And um, you know, and Colin, I know you guys are probably going to ask, but so I'll, I'll, I'll address it. Um, 
you know, our trainer said, you know, it looks pretty serious. You can't say what it is. We're going to get MRI tomorrow morning. But he said it looks pretty serious. So there was, there was no chance at all of him returning uh, for the second half. And that's really, that's all we know. He's, he's not going to speculate, but I, I, I want to be honest with you. That's, you know, he's not saying he'll be fine. You know, he's saying it's, it's pretty serious. Colin is, you know, there's probably not been one player that's had such an impact on a, a team in a year as, as Colin does here. He's our, you know, spiritual, our leader, work ethic. He's our leader. Character-wise, he's our leader. On the court, he is. You know, um, he's tough to replace. We're, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to grow up real quick, and, and guys are going to have to step up, and I, I think they will. And, Chris, I think you put it perfect because I didn't even think about that. It, it was sad on its own, and it definitely was, but then when you put it in the perspective of he was robbed last year of the NCAA tournament run or postseason, and now mm-hmm. you look at this year, it doesn't look, you know, you can run down the list of what kind of knee injuries are there and what the timetables are. And unfortunately, none of them look great. At least the serious ones look great in terms of can we squeeze him back by the NCAA tournament or maybe we can get him back by this round or that game. And unfortunately, when you just kind of think about it more, it's it's sad. For two years now, he, he just didn't get that shot as the quote unquote man. No, no, he did not never got that chance and and now you want to worry about his future and it's like well first of all and another point is like you see something like that happen to Colin and you you start to see why a lot of people declare early now um that that's the reason why you don't want to suffer an injury like that and then you set yourself back another year or two but but with regards to Colin like what does he do now it's I mean I don't want to completely you know Call the, I'm not calling the shots from him, but like, does he return and you know sit out the, pretty much the whole year and hope he comes back for the like the Big East tournament next year or NCAA tournament, or, or does he just you know just leave, graduates, leave school, and then works out on his own and then makes a comeback that way? I don't know. So I just feel awful for him on you know for this year for this team. I'd also feel off him for his future, too. It's like, what What do you do? Does he come back next year? Who knows? I know there was one reporter on the Zoom who just could not read the room. It was like, bro, what are you doing? You have Jay all <laughs> sad and devastated about Colin. And he's just kind of pouring his heart out on, you know, what Colin means to the team and what he means to the guys and his teammates and to the program. And all of a sudden, this guy comes on and is just, oh, is, uh, you know, is Colin going to come back next year or? Oh, you know, this is all great and all, but uh, how do you feel about winning the Big East regular season title again? I'm sure that was like the last thing on his mind. Right. Time and place, buddy. Yeah. And don't get us wrong. I mean, it's great that they're the number one seed and yeah, they won another regular season title, but that is so secondary. The expectation of this team was way beyond that. And not only that, I mean, after that injury, honestly, I forgot that we were playing for a number one seed or a regular season title oh yeah i 100 to be honest with you i didn't even know going in that the biggest title was on the line i thought there was still something to be left to play even if villanova had beaten Creighton. but obviously fs1 kind of laid that out for us before the game started but yeah after colin got hurt it was just even though there was no fans in the building it felt like all the air was left let out completely it's awful oh. it's a complete freak thing too it he yeah it was like nothing typical yeah go up for the ball and he lands awkwardly. And I saw it like developing. And he as he's coming down, he's tied up with Jefferson. And I'm like, all right. And 
he missed the shot and I saw Villanova grab the rebound. So I looked down on my phone just to like text someone or whatever. And I see him, I see, I hear yelling and I'm like, oh no, it actually happened. Like I just saw him tangled up. I'm like, all right, hold laying down, probably fall on the floor, get back up. No big deal. Attitude and all that. And uh, no, no, he, he didn't get back up and you hear him yelling and you're like, oh yeah, grabbing for the knee. And then when you see the replay, he's grabbing for his knee before he even hits the ground. And I'm like, I've, uh, I've watched a lot of football and uh, I, I've seen those type of injuries and uh, they usually, usually end up long-term. And I got sad as did everybody else. Initially when I saw it full speed, it was just kind of one of those things like, Oh, he'll get up. He'll be fine. And then, like you said, Chris, you hear the screaming, audible noise, and then they showed in slow mo, and then you realize, oh wow, this was a uh, this was a lot worse than I originally thought it was. Very unfortunate that for mm-hmm. it to happen on senior night, night where you're just dedicated to him. Of course, during this COVID season, all the things that this guy has sacrificed just to be able to play, and just to be able to go out there and, and the grind he's put in in order to quote unquote have his year as the man, because it, it's one thing when you're a great player as a freshman, sophomore, junior, but when you're a senior and it's quote unquote, your team, it's got a little bit more weight to it. It's got a little special feeling. And unfortunately it's been soured by this injury and the team's now going to have to step up and guys are going to have to fill in and, and move on without him as sad as it is. Yeah, they certainly are. And for everyone that was clamoring for Slater to start, well, you're getting, you're getting a wish now. This is not what we expected. This is not how I wanted it to happen. Not, oh, you, you, no. This no, is the yeah. most <laughs> awful way possible for it to happen, but it's happening, uh, whether you like it or not. And I'm assuming that you'll see more of Brian Antoine. You, I mean, you gotta you got to assume so. I mean, yeah. You saw him a little bit during this game, but. But yeah, so at least the bench will get a little bit more and uh, a little bit more time and Slater will get his starting minutes in. So I guess that very, 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 very small silver lining. Obviously, you got to look onwards and forwards and you can't dwell on this and, you know, attitude and building over basketball and all that. But I mean, how do, how do you not just feel awful for the kid at the same time? Yeah, and I give credit to the team for stepping up there because I felt like this was a complete team effort. I thought overall it was a nice game for the Cats from top to bottom. To Slater's credit, he had a great game off the bench. Jeremiah Robinson Earl ran some point, and we'd seen him do it a little bit, but for him to do it for an extended amount of time during the first half while Justin Moore was in foul trouble, then for Moore to pick up in the second half and just have a great overall game, it was nice to see the team step up and kind of use the incident as fuel, as something to rally around. Because we've seen where freak injuries like that can just shut down a team or make them go petrified Mm -hmm. or just turn a stone. And that didn't happen with this team. Yeah, Kareem had a little bit of a push and a little bit of rally in the second half. But the Cats had their foot on the gas for the most part in the first half and for most of the game. Let's just hear, before we dive into this game a little bit more, I, I thought that, Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Justin Moore had some great things to say about Colin last night and and let's hear from them. No, it's tough because we know how much dedication he has in Villanova basketball and that he's put forth for his four years that he's been been here. And we all look to him as a leader. So when we see when we see something as devastating as that to happen, we just know we gotta step up and, and play for him. You know, we go out there and just play full 40 minutes and know that 
we're going to give it all for him because he gives it all for us. Everybody was just focused on um, stepping up, uh, next guy up, um, being ready to uh, come in and perform. And uh, saying attitude, uh, let's, let's do it for our brother. And that's what we came in together and said, let's do it for him. Let's come out there and play harder. Chris, we, they say about it all the time. Next man up, attitude. We're going to see what kind of attitude this team has moving forward, depending on what the official diagnosis will be once we hear about the MRI. But mm-hmm. if it's anything like last night, I thought the team stepped up overall pretty well. Yeah, they certainly did. It's kind of, I don't know if ironic's a good word for it, but I'll use it anyway. But it's a little bit ironic that probably their best stretch of basketball all game was immediately after Gillespie went down. They went on like an immediate run right after he uh, was injured. They responded well to that. I, I was fully expecting for them to kind of collapse after he got hurt. I mean, they had built up a little bit of a lead by that point. And I'm like, all right, that's... That's that's devastating to watch. And to your point with, you know, you see teams like witness an injury like that and they just fall apart. I remember the Edmund Sumner injury was probably the one that sticks out the most to me where he had he landed on his head basically in the first like two minutes of that game between Xavier and Nova and Xavier didn't even try after that. So it was pretty impressive that this team was able to step up like that. And Slater, you mentioned it, he played well and I, you got to give him all the props in the world. The dude came off the bench and like lit a fire under them. Very active on the defensive end, got a couple of steals that led to a couple of fast break points. He was getting to the basket too uh, with relative ease. He even uh, made a three after a pretty brutal turnover where Creighton was making like their little bit of late secondary push uh, after Balak made a three, got the steal off the Slater inbound. And then Slater with, with some stones hitting the corner three to pretty much put Creighton in the bed at that point. And also Justin Moore stepping up in such a huge way in, to fill in for Colin in the, you know, the, in the backcourt role. He just was absolutely brutal the past few games. And it finally showed what he can certainly be in this game. Nine to 12 from the field, three of five from three. And we were kind of criticizing him for his shot selection and shoddy shot selection. And he certainly didn't have any of that. His threes were wide open and he was able to nail them. And the ones that he and the other shots that he didn't take were all within like two feet, three feet of the basket. And he was getting to the rim, too. So I was really, really happy with how those two played. And obviously, Jerry played good as well. But I I think those two stuck out the most to me. Yeah. And on Moore's front, just the way that he had been shooting going into this game, he had been a little cold. So it was nice to see him dial back that nice high-scoring offense that we've seen him do, especially last year where he where it felt like him and JRE were just trading Big East Freshman of the Week awards. I'm looking forward to him embracing and stepping up the challenge of moving into the lead guard role. Just looking at some stats, he had a game-high 24 points, 9-12 shooting, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Jeremiah Robinson Earl had a 14-14 double-double with 5 assists as point guard, point forward, I should say. Brandon Slater coming off the bench, just adding a little bit of everything. Scoring, hit a three, which was great. He added 11 points, but his energy, again, defensively and just kind of the hustle points he added was awesome to see as well. Jermaine Samuels had only seven points and was three of 11. For some reason, I felt like he had way more than that, but he did have four rebounds and seven assists. And then just looking over at the Creighton side, I thought Villanova did a great job in the first half, just defensively overall, mm-hmm. but also just mixing it up and not being predictable. They were 
beasting inside in the paint. They were knocking down their threes when they needed to. Creighton just seemed scrambled and flustered, having to play from behind. Mitch Ballack had 14 points. Damian Jefferson did most of his damage in the second half, and he finished with 13 points, eight rebounds, and four assists. Marcus Zagorowski had a pretty cold night overall with 10 points and four assists. Chris, I love the defense. I loved the complete effort that Nova had outside of that eight-minute long cold stretch. But without Gillespie, man, it was nice to see what they could do in terms of answering the challenge and being ready to step up. Mm-hmm. But I'm I, I'm just hoping that this sustains itself when they go to the dunk this weekend. <laughs> I I hope so, man. And I don't I don't know how you run a practice without your like team leader, point guard, and whatever. How they're gonna make those adjustments on the fly with one regular season game to to do it? It's gonna be an incredibly tough task for the team and the coaching staff to kind of put this all together. And it, it wouldn't shock me if they go into the the dunk and just lay an egg. And I, I honestly would not fault them one bit. And it, it's maybe it's a little, you know, stupid to kind of give them a complete free pass. But at this point, like, what do you expect? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Do you have Jerry play the point forward role? Do you have Justin Moore be your pure point guard? Like, I, I don't know what you do. Don't know what you do, but at least we can at least take a little bit in solace of the fact that the defense was short up. Uh, significantly from the Butler game and from the last Creighton game. I mean, Creighton couldn't hit the broad side of a barn in the first half. Their their first half three-point percentage was god-awful, and uh, it kind of corrected itself in the second half when they were making their run, but by then it was too little too late, it seemed like. So, yeah, the defense did a good job, but hopefully the offense is able to sustain itself without Colin. It's funny how we're, we're kind of talking about Colin right now because if you just kind of rewind the tapes a little bit and you look back – when he announced his commitment and a lot of people were like, who is this guy? This is not the five-star All-American we wanted. Or where was that blue chip guard that we were looking for now that we've won a national title? And to just see him grow as an under-the-radar recruit from a two-star guy or Division two prospect to all-Big East caliber player to starter to captain, and then one of the top point guards in the country is just astonishing. And it's just... It's really unfortunate that that his whole career has just been set back with what happened last night. Beyond words at this point, back-to-back years getting robbed of an opportunity to perform in March and have it be when it, the team is your team. It's just so sad. Yeah, the season worth, he was having too. Great individual. One of our great, top great. Yeah, he was having a good year. I know there's no doubt about it, and I know – the past couple episodes, we weren't too thrilled with his performances, but that was the whole team. I mean, what a, it is what it is. And if you had told us that Villanova would have beaten Creighton 72 to 60 and we'd be on here sad, I would be like, what the heck happened? What, <laughs> what deal with the devil did we have to make? And it was apparently uh, Colin's knee, unfortunately. It's, I, I'm willing to donate my ACL at this point. I do not care. I, I, I don't need to walk. Who needs to walk? I don't need it. I don't. I mean, it's not like we're going anywhere anytime soon. He needs it more than I do. It's just very unfortunate. I'm, I'm, my fingers are crossed for hopefully it's like the, the mildest situation it could be. I know that Jay Wright said it. The trainer said it's not looking too good and the, the chances of him being fine are super low. But I can only hope that it's like minimal damage. At this point, if he gets to play, that'll be great. But 
I, I just don't want him to have to go through like a year long rehab and then it'll affect whatever he does next year. Right. I know. That's, that's what I'm fearing too. I just, I don't know how he's going to handle it. If he comes back and says, I'll stick with the team, train with the team. And then if I'm ready, I'll play in the Big East tournament or late regular season, even the NCAA tournament, depending on how the team does, whatever it is. I, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult call. And also on the broadcast, it was a pretty good observation. I think Gus made it. It again, another source of irony, I guess. Uh, Villanova against Creighton, and Marcus Zagorowski's on Creighton, and Creighton lost Marcus Zagorowski to a to a knee injury at the end of the year last year in their last regular season game before heading into March. So kind of uh, kind of ironic that they're facing off the same team and happened to a similar. Similar type player. It's just brutal. Back like two of the best teams in the Big East losing their point guards back to back years. And I know March really didn't happen last year, but you know, yeah, you get the point. It's tough because I know we have to talk about things that go on, but I don't even want to. <laughs> I'm looking at this Providence game on Saturday, and it's just I was expecting to I be know. excited. I was expecting yeah. to be excited, and after a win against Crane, you said it, Chris. Who would have thought after a double-digit win over the Blue Jays, a revenge win, and it was a great team performance all around at both ends of the court, and here we would be on Thursday morning, sad. Sad. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's so brutal. Tough. It's- I know we always preview the next game, but I don't even want it. It's just, just like get me to the Big East tournament and maybe reinvigorate. The, the Not squad. even the Big East tournament. Get me to the doctor's office, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then call in someone. Can like, can we turn Colin to a cyborg? Like, can we just like make give him like a metallic leg? <laughs> <laughs> something, please, please, ACL transplant or something, please. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. So sad. Onwards and forwards, Eugene. Next play, next man up, Villanova basketball, all that stuff. Prayers go out to Colin Gillespie. Hopefully, like we said, it's as minimal as damage as it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. But next up for the Cats is a trip to the Dunkin' Donuts Center, which is never an easy place to play. Villanova will be without its top point guard, which makes it even tougher. But as we know, Providence, as great as they are, as up and down as they could possibly be. They always give Villanova a game. They're coming off of a pretty tough loss against St. John's, which I was pretty shocked the way that it unfolded because they were winning for a good good amount of it, and then they ended up losing by double digits. But the Friars are now 12-12, and 8-10 and 10 in Big East play. They host the Wildcats for a 2.30 p.m. start time on Saturday. Chris, we've seen this Providence team before. What are your thoughts on the Friars and what does Villanova need to do this time around? Well, what they need to do this time around is find the sun again and make sure it is uh, hovering over the arena at a certain time. And it aggravates Providence <laughs> to the point where they completely fall off in the second half and Villanova goes on a little bit of a run. All cringy jokes aside, yeah, you got to basically replicate the second half performance that you did against Providence. And yeah, like you said, Eugene, that loss to St. John's was pretty shocking the fact that they didn't have posh, but yeah, this, this Providence team, ever since we last saw them, they beat Marquette in overtime. Then they lost three straight to Georgetown hall and St. John's. And they also chipped in a win against UConn and Xavier in there. So a little bit of an up and down. I mean, by their record, they're 500, you know, overall 12, 12, eight and 10, the big East, like they're as average as a team as they can get. According to Ken Palm, they're on the same 
wavelength as Marquette and Villanova seems to handle Mark as handle Marquette pretty easily this year. I know Providence is a completely different squad and how they play, but as long as you contain Nate Watson, like they did last time out, I know he only, he dropped 12 when five of 10 from the field, but it, I think we even said it when we were recapping that game, it was like, it did not feel like that. He was felt like pretty much like a non-factor and keep David Duke at bay. Like they did last time who had an awful game against Villanova. I, I think they win pretty easily. Yeah, and how about that Alan Breed guy? I know that he came out of nowhere and gave Villanova an 18-point performance, a season high, career high. Since then, he hasn't really come close to replicating that kind of game, but probably just going to be like, oh, Villanova's on? No, time to turn yeah. it on again. <laughs> time to wake up and realize they <laughs> can play basketball. Yeah, but that's what usually happens. One thing that does worry me, and you've heard Jay talk about it after the Butler loss, one thing that concerns him is a team that's just more physical, that just gets after it. And I'm hoping with the Gillespie news, the team kind of elevates itself or is kind of fired up like they were against Creighton last night. So that way they'll be aggressive. They'll be assertive and they'll do what they need to do to win. But you look at this Providence team, Ed Cooley team, always tough, always physical, always takes it to the cats. I hope Villanova will come out more aggressive than they did at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Couple things to note about the Providence team. Yeah, David Duke and Nate Watson are definitely the guys to watch for, but they have a great three point defense. They actually hold teams to just 30.2% from beyond the arc, and that's actually top 30 perimeter defense in the entire country. And they don't turn the ball over all that much. So they're not going to make too many mistakes on O. I know Villanova forced them to do that in the second half last time out. So if Villanova can just kind of replicate a similar similar defensive performance and hopefully mix things up like they did in the first half against Creighton where they were backing down inside. They were taking off from the perimeter. The Blue Jays didn't know where to defend or what spots to pick and choose because you already know the Fries are going to look to lock down the three-point line and they're going to try to just muck it up a little bit. I'm hoping Villanova comes out on top. Chris, I know I said last time out I think Villanova might lose at the dunk, but after this, I think the Cats get fired up. We see another great game from JRE, point forward JRE. And I'm hoping Justin Moore has rediscovered his shooting stroke and continue his hot performance like he did last night. And the Cats come out with a win. It'll be gritty. It'll be tough. It'll be very, very physical. But I think the Cats can answer the call and go into the Big East tournament with another win. I happen to agree with you, Eugene. Uh, I think Justin Moore is going to be the guy Villanova needs to step up again. He had pretty good game against Providence last time out, dropping 15, which was tied with for a team high with Colin Gillespie, who also had 15 that day. And to your point about the three-point defense, yeah, it's no joke. Uh, Villanova shot 7-25 to against the Friars last time out, and the leading three-point scorer that day was Colin Gillespie. And so take him out of the equation. The team only made four threes the entire game. So the, they got to be on their game. From beyond the arc, hopefully you can replicate a first-half performance like you did against Creighton, like you said, Eugene. And uh, you go on your merry way and coast into the Big East tournament with uh, two quality wins. Chris, I think they're going to win this one? Uh, Yes, sir. I think they rally. Yeah, I think we said exactly what we said was going to happen. Something's going to happen on Wednesday that's going to make us change our tune for Saturday, and I think that's exactly what (laughs) just happened. Hopefully we're right this time. Hopefully. Why did this happen? Like, I'm just, like, looking at our outline. I just kind of wanted to shatter everything and just mourn Colin Gillespie. 
I think it's a I think it's a valid point. And I, is, this, I, is this part of like the grief process? Is I this, guess so. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean Villanova hasn't had an ACL injury since something. I think you're I'm right. Going too, if we, I might be going too far back. There might be one hidden in there, but obviously it was bad at the time. You saw him rolling around in pain, but then like they panned over to DCR and the look on his face, I think really made it sink in for me. I'm <laughs> just like, yeah, that mask uh, did not hide his discontent. No, no. He knew it was bad, which then made it me like realize how really bad it was. But then also like, that's like, that's his classmate. That's his, his graduation mate, senior eight, whatever you want to call him. And you could just see the pain on his face. And then they keep panning to the parents and they looked awful. It, it was just, a, it, it was an emotional night all around. It, it really was. And it's a shame because it robbed us from talking about a really good performance on the court by the rest of the squad. Yeah, there was, there was some good, some bad, and definitely a lot of ugly from last night. But we can only go into later today hoping for, as best as possible news as possible, like the best case scenario happens in regards yeah. to that MRI. And then we can only hope that the cats kind of rally around this again, one more time and come out with another win at a tough place to play in. Cause they're not going to take it easy. No, no, not at all. Chris, it's that time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open the mailbag and answer the question that the people have for us. I was expecting a pretty big mailbag, but I think a lot of people are kind of in the same boat as us where we're just kind of what just happened, still processing last night. Mm-hmm. So we got a few here. Um, the first one is from John Paul May. First question, Colin Gillespie injury was tough to see. Prayers that it is not serious, but if it is, do you see Jay going with a guard like Brian Antoine or a Ford like Slater or Swider from here on out in the starting five, I'm assuming? Yeah, I think he goes Slater. I would have to say Slater, too. The guy's been coming along great, and he's just been steadily yeah. improving over these last couple of months. For sure. I mean, outside of the one Butler game where everyone was crappy, he's been by far, like, the most noticeable player out there other than the usual suspects. So I, I think you got to give him a shot now. Yeah, I'd agree. I would go with Slater as well, and it will still be nice to just have that point guard off the bench that the Cats can turn to when – more needs a break. Although now we do have point four JRE, so who knows? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> and John's next question is, where is Eric Dixon? That's an excellent question. I have no idea. I've been and, asking this question for three weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like, where did he go? And then I saw Eric Dixon's dad tweeted out something like, I just want to see my boy hoop again. And I was like, does this, does this mean he's hurt? Or are you like? Expressing discontent with the rotation. <laughs> what does I, I this think mean? It's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and we haven't seen him. I don't even think the cameras caught him on the bench lately. I, like, where is he? <laughs> yeah. Where is he? I, I have no idea, dude. It's it's so it's such a shame he, he hasn't been able to play. Yeah, and it was another thing that I've been thinking about. Just with each and every one of these games, you kind of think, where is he? His absence kind of stands out to you. And then, of course, the Gillespie stuff happens last night, and I just feel like it would be a huge disservice to just not ask about Gillespie or anything directly related to the game. Anything right. outside is just like, what are you doing? Read the room. Read the room. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I don't blame you one bit. I, I think, though, that this Providence game is a potential for him to play. I remember him going up against Watson a couple of times, and 
you know, struggling a little bit, but also I remember him doing a couple of good things as well in, in limited minutes. So I think with the team being one man short now, I think he'll have an opportunity. Now, do I think it'll be an extended opportunity? No, I think, I think Jay has lost a lot of confidence in him for whatever reason. I kind of get why, but I also don't get why. It's kind of a shame that he hasn't been able to kind of flaunt all the gains he's made over the past offseason, which, which garnered a lot of hype. But hopefully we'll be able to, to see a little bit more now with uh, Colin out. Yeah, if anything, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see him back in rotation, if he is healthy. And if we do see him, it'll probably be for like five or six minutes total per game. I don't expect something game-changing or crazy where he's coming out for like 15 to 20 minutes. But I wouldn't be surprised if he makes an appearance again. Next one from John Paul May. What was Jay talking to Mitch Ballack about? Transfer? Great question. I don't even know. What grade is Mitch Ballack in? I feel like I know he wears a number 24, but I feel like that's how old he is, and he's been there forever. <laughs> yeah, man. It, he is uh, an eternal senior. I I want to say he's a senior, but I am not 100% sure on that. Mitch Ballack is 22 years old, and he oh, is a senior. Grad transfer? Possibly? Maybe? No. No, he's no, been no, there the no, whole no. time. He's a He's yeah. an OG. No, no, no. I meant, I meant for what Jay was talking to him about. Oh, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I actually have that answer for you. I'll play it right now. I specifically wanted to see Balak. I, I, I don't think there's – I can't recall a player that competes as hard and never, ever once shows any disrespect to his opponent or the game, ever. He's, he's the most respectful player that, that plays hard. It's easy to be respectful. You don't play real hard and tough. You can just be a nice guy. Exactly. He's a killer, and he's always respectful of the game, the officials, his opponent. It's really impressive. John's last question is, where did you get the guitar riff at the beginning of the podcast? Shout out to my cousin, Owen Hill Jr. He's a music producer, and when the State of the Nova Nation was actually in video format, it kind of dawned on me that we do kind of need some sort of intro theme, and I didn't know what I wanted, and I told him about it, and then he just sent me approximately 20 to 25 30 second intros and they were all very different that one was more on the rock side there was someone the like hip-hop or like trap side or like electronic side and after going through all 20 or so i felt that that was the best one and then we went over to the audio format we just carried it over the theme song it's pretty catchy from what i hear i think it's pretty catchy i love it it's great it's, it's been with us for a long time it's been with us for a yeah. long time it has. It's permanently engraved into my memory. And then we have one more question here. This is from David Letts. It's very sad. Thinking way ahead. If it's serious that Colin Gillespie's done for the year, needs to take time. Rehab won't get him drafted. I'm curious if this increases the probability of him coming back. Your thoughts? I know it depends on MRI, but this is just Wednesday night curiosity. Yeah, everyone's curious, and we talk about it. I don't know. I feel like, Chris, it's not a bad idea if it is super serious that he comes back and just kind of trains and rehabs with the team like that. Right. That sounds like a pretty good deal. I mean, I'd he gets so. Jack fit, and it's just kind of a year to just kind of stay in that grind. Yeah, I mean, you'll have the doctors around you. You'll have the competitive environment around you. I, I don't think it's a bad idea. But, again, it's going to be completely up to him whether he wants to do that or if he thinks maybe hiring someone – 
I don't know, some other trainer and doing it like independently and kind of just taking a step back from it all. I mean, I could see him going that route too. I mean, obviously it depends on his personality, what he feels best and what will give him better draft prospects. So we'll see. But I, I would think on the surface, complete outsider looking in, you would think that sticking with the team and getting the benefits of the training staff and doctors and whatnot would probably be the better route. Yeah. If it is super serious, if it isn't, you know, let's just say maybe three to four months, I could see him kind of move it on, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. But I think we're kind of in agreement that this is going to be at least eight months. Yeah, from us speculating, from not even the stands, but from our TV sets in a different mm. state. Because we're such experts. Oh, of, of course, everybody is. <laughs> you should see all the new armchair doctors, all the new armchair PhDs I saw on Twitter last night. I was like, oh, very interesting. You guys really broke this down. But yeah, a lot will depend on this MRI. Unfortunately, it's just kind of a range right now. Wish I had a better answer for you, David, but we'll definitely get a better one once this MRI news come out comes out later. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to this pretty somber episode of the State of the Nova Nation. It's weird. We wanted to get hype. This was a pretty big win. It was an important win. Just unfortunately, the circumstances are just so tough. Still here this morning. Still sad. Still sad. But I appreciate everyone for listening to the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the pod at View Hoops or State of the Nova Nation. You can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Megaphone, Podbean. You got many, many options. Please check back at ViewHoops.com. We're always pumping out content, stories, and things like that. So check back and check often. Follow View Hoops on social media at View Hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. Like our page on Facebook. And you can follow me, Gene Repay, at eRepay5. And I'm Chris Stanziel. I got nothing. Stay safe, everybody. Nova Nation, hopefully it'll get better from here. Unfortunately, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty tough time. But I hope everyone has a good weekend. Stay safe out there. And we'll catch you next week when we start to preview the Big East Tournament. Take care and have a good one.